Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. From KQED. I'm Devin Kadayama, and you're listening to The Bay, local news to keep you rooted. Over the past year, public transit lost most of its riders. But now, some people are slowly coming back. And as things start to reopen, the Bay Area's 27 different transit agencies are trying to figure out what the future will look like. The mood has been, you know, what do we need to do to survive this? Mixed with some, I would say, genuine optimism about being able to build back. Today, the challenge is ahead for Bay Area public transit. I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. All right, so Dan, the last time we spoke to you was in April of last year, and at that time, you told me that the Bay Area's public transit agencies were, and this is a quote, very screwed. Is that still the case right now? So, less screwed. Dan Brecky is an editor for KQED who reports on transportation. That's because of the federal government and Congress in particular coming through with three big rounds of emergency relief that have kept all these transit agencies basically going without any significant layoffs. And that means that they all have the capacity at some point to sort of jump back in and ramp up service. So probably this is a lot better than anybody assumed a year ago. I think when we were talking last April, there had already been a, an unbelievable decline in, in ridership. For instance, on BART, which typically was carrying between 410 and 420,000 passengers a day, all of a sudden it was down to, you know, less than 30,000 even on some days. 
similar situation on on most transit agencies. I mean, for instance, you know, Golden Gate Transit in the North Bay, the the San Francisco Bay ferries, uh, for instance, that run from Oakland to San Francisco, um, they went down more than ninety five percent, and in fact, are still down about ninety five percent. But what's happened on the big transit agencies, and BART and Muni are the ones that I'm really thinking of, they've slowly clawed their way back. BART has been very good about giving us daily ridership numbers in a way that it never did before the pandemic. And it's a little funny. I mean, I have my own personal spreadsheet, and I actually do my own, like, week-over-week calculation for weekday ridership and and seven-day ridership and monthly ridership. That's amazing. Well, and and the thing that it it shows you is that starting in late January, I mean, they've actually had a pretty slow and steady recovery. Now, they're at a little bit of a flat point right now. They've gotten up to the point where it's really exciting. They've had nearly 60,000 riders a day on weekdays. That's pretty good compared to 30,000, but it's a small fraction of what they, they had. And the result of that is passenger revenues are really low compared to what used to be assumed. Is ridership down all over or are there some places where it has actually remained stronger? Well, there are agencies that have fared relatively well in terms of their ridership numbers. And those are generally agencies that run bus service. And I think what accounts for that is those are the services that are particularly important to essential workers. And they're really important to people who have no real alternatives for transportation. So buses are the services that you see rolling through the neighborhood, or at least on the big street in your neighborhood. There are services that you can walk to. And trains, take BART, for instance, at most you're going to see a station every few miles or every couple miles maybe in the, in the denser areas, and they're harder to access. The, the other thing that has to be said, too, is the fare structure is different for the two. So, you know, BART has a distance-based uh, fare structure. Um, it's more expensive in general to take a longer ride. Uh, a bus trip is is more within mm-hmm. reach for people who are uh, facing income limitations. So all this time, the leaders of these transit agencies have been meeting and trying to figure out what is going on and what to do. What has the mood been like at, at some of these meetings? The mood has been, you know, what do we need to do to survive this mixed with some, I would say, genuine optimism about being able to build back for the for the future people are want to get back out there they're going to want to go for lunch meetings in the middle of the day they're going to want to go out in the evening you know i just think about a a couple of the uh members of the bart board Uh, rebecca saltzman represents my district here in berkeley they're going to want to go out to various events um and probably will want to get out more than they even did pre-pandemic because of the the pent-up energy. Every morning, you know, the first thing she does, or one of the first things she does, is uh, look at the BART ridership numbers that are are posted fresh every day. Now, it's growing slowly, um, so we're not going to take off and have 200,000 riders next week every day, but it, it is good to see that trend happening before we've restored service. So the way BART and the BART board are thinking about 
this recovery right now is that September is going to be a big month. The hope is that we will get that return. So we can't be caught off guard and not be ready for that ridership return. Starting in September, it looks like they're going to extend service hours back to midnight from the current 9 p.m. So they will be running 5 a.m. to midnight on weekdays the way they used to. And they will also run trains most of the day with 15-minute headways instead of the 30-minute headways that they're doing for most of the day now. You can't be a transit system without people. And so we've missed our riders. And I think that this gives us the best opportunity to, to bring back ridership and to continue to, uh, to, to rise and, and respond. This service plan that they're talking about instituting in September is actually a sign of, of some real optimism on BART's part that um, we're going to not get back to normal, but that we're going to start to see some really tangible signs of people being willing to go back out into the world and do the things that they used to do. The, the truth is nobody knows exactly when ridership will be back to normal if what you mean by normal is where it used to be. If you look at BART as an example, their projection for the next year, their best case scenario for a year from this July, so we're talking about July 2022, their best case scenario is that they would have 70% of their former ridership back on the trains, 70%. Their sort of mid-range pr projection, which is probably what they really expect, would be 49%, so just a tad less than half. So how are transit agencies like BART trying to convince riders to come back? There are some things that I'll call simple housekeeping, simple ongoing housekeeping on one level, and then some deeper, larger structural changes in the longer term. So what are the housekeeping things in the shorter term? One thing BART and all the other agencies are trying to do is reassure people that it's safe to ride. So you need to wear a mask when you ride or go into a station. You uh, can expect to find safe social distance on the trains and on the platforms and that kind of thing. Longer term, there's been a conversation that predated the pandemic about Adopting a fare structure that actually allows people to use more than one agency without having to pay a premium to do it. In other words, you can ride BART and then get on Muni or, or get on Caltrain and actually have, you know, not have to pay two separate fares and, right, and, and right. be gouged in a way. So that kind of work is happening right now. And that discussion about fares and making fares non-punitive and non-gouging is partly aimed at creating more equity for transit riders. You know, Jeff Tumlin, who is the director of transportation for San Francisco, has spoken many, many times this past year about what Muni has discovered about its own service. We've discovered the geography of the central workers in San Francisco, which should have never been a surprise to us. One of the chief findings, if not the chief finding, is it is really a service for essential workers. But the way ridership has been completely rearranged on our services um, was, was, was more than any of us had expected. After the pandemic, there's going to have to be a really serious conversation, and it's happening 
in places like the Muni board, you know, the SFMTA board and AC Transit and the BART board and the MTC about creating fare structures that essentially make uh, transit free for at least part of the population. And, and some people would like to go farther than that. Um, some people would like to see all transit be free. There's going to be an experiment with that perhaps this summer. A couple of members of the Board of Supervisors uh, in San Francisco have proposed setting aside money so that everybody can ride Muni-free for three months just to see how it works. But you know, before we get there, we're going to have to really have a, a discussion and sort of profound rethinking about how we, we pay for transit as opposed to other transportation services that we provide. So, so much of what happens next, I feel like, depends on how comfortable people are taking BART, taking transit, taking the bus. So as we look ahead to reopening, what do you think some of the scenarios look like? One of the really early studies that was done when the transit downturn had happened after the start of the pandemic was, um, was looking at scenarios for the return of people to quote-unquote normal life, you know, if X percentage took transit uh, versus, you know, driving alone. People feel safer driving alone. What this study found was that, look, we're going to face massive gridlock in most of our cities, and San Francisco is among the worst, if not the worst, if people do not get back on transit. I think you're absolutely right. It's very important to feel comfortable. And I mean, this is not a transit example, but okay, I went to a baseball game a couple weeks ago. It was at the Oakland Coliseum. Baseball is something I really missed last year and didn't know whether we would ever see the same kind of experience again in a stadium. So we go to the ball game, and what do we see? Well, there are all sorts of rules in place about how people are supposed to behave in terms of wearing masks and, and sitting in certain places. And it was a little disquieting for this 67-year-old, perhaps vulnerable citizen of the Bay Area to find myself sitting amid people who didn't seem to care. Right. And I think when you get to transit, I mean, people won't really understand how they feel about it until they actually do it. Okay, so we asked you how you felt about riding public transit, and here's what you said. Hi, my name is Cliff Barger. Uh, most people were doing a really good job of keeping face coverings on, um, and that really helped me feel safe. Hi, my name is Raul Maldonado. Overall, I think it was pretty great in helping to go on the public transit a little bit more, especially after my second vaccine shot. Hi, I'm Danilo, and if anything, public transit has been a dream. Uh, the crowds are just not there. Um, you can get on the bus and pretty much assure yourself a seat. So it's been great. Thanks to Dan Brecky, an editor for KQED who reports on transportation. You also heard from BART board members Bevan Dufty, Mark Foley, and Rebecca Saltzman. This episode was mixed and edited by Erica Cruz Guevara and Alan Montecilio. Shailen Martos is our production assistant. Issa Mendoza writes our Friday newsletter. KQED's podcast leadership team is Jessica Placek, Kiana Mogadam, Erica Aguilar, Vinnie Tong, Ethan Tovin Lindsay, and Holly Kernan. The Bay is created by your local public media station, KQED. I'm Devin Kadiyama. That's it from us to you. Talk to you next time.
Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.